0: Good morning, Brazos Valley, Central Texas, and Palestine. We hope that you have seen the top of the brightest mountain this morning, and we're bringing you in here to Red Sea Roundup on your favorite station, Red Sea Catholic Radio, whether it's KDC in the Brazos Valley, KYAR in Central Texas, or KINF
1: in... The Holy Land of Texas, Palestine, welcome all. And you know what? If they are seeing the top of the highest mountain, they're probably seeing it while listening to our Red Sea Radio app, because there aren't too many high mountains in East Texas or Central Texas, I would think. God willing, Dennis. Well, you're probably hearing some different voices this morning than you're expecting. This is Thaddeus Romansky, your general manager, and that is... Your smart Alec, president, Dennis Maka. And I was thinking they could also be looking at the Google image of a highest mountain too, so...
0: That is possible. So, yeah,
1: they could be. But who knows? I, I mean, stand corrected, but not on the highest mountain. Yeah. Glad to be here with you today, Thaddeus. Whether you're happy I'm here or not, I'm here. <laughs> I'm really excited. <laughs> we got, hey, we've hey, uh, laughing in the background. We've got a
0: fantastic pre recorded interview for you in the second part of the program with Father Augustin Ariwaldo, who is the uh, priest at St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station. He just released an album called in god's glory he uh is an album of original songs that he sang and produced and it uh, is in direct response to the crisis that has gripped our church since last summer but Mm -hmm. uh, the the roots of which even go back further and that's actually what we're going to be discussing in the first part of the program today so we're going to try to talk about that with um you know, discrete language often much more than what you might expect these days. And, but it, still, if it's not something that you want to, uh, you know, deal with this morning and you want to step away from the program, that's perfectly fine. Come back at about 11 20, 11 23, somewhere, and, and catch the second part of the program. If you got A really good interview sensitive kiddo ears, just yeah. be aware. Yeah. But uh, we, we wanted to spend some time this morning. Uh, to let you, our listeners, know about the the release of a document from the Vatican called Vos Estis Lux Mundi. It's uh, a modu proprio from our Holy Father. Modu proprio just means on his own authority. It's a document uh, that he's releasing on his based on his authority as the the Pope. And oftentimes it deals with um, canonical norms. Or um, you may be familiar with the modu proprio uh that saint that saint benedict pope benedict the 16th emeritus uh, released some years ago uh putting in place stipulations for the wider use of the extraordinary form the Mm -hmm. traditional latin mass that's that's a very recent modu proprio but this deals with the scandal in the church and vos estis lux mundi means you are the light of the world Um, and so it's it's a very much a legal or a canonical document, um, but it's it's setting forth some very specific um, amendments to c- canon law to deal with the crisis that's been going on since last summer. Um, he writes in the beginning that the crimes of sexual abuse offend our Lord, and I was very happy to read that he couched it that way, Dennis. He put that yes. first.
1: He did. He did. And it it continues on to say that they, they cause physical, psychological, and spiritual damage to the victims and harm to the community of the faithful. It goes on to write, uh, in order that these phenomena, in all their forms, he writes, in all their forms, which I was very happy is a very broad, sweeping uh, modu proprio, In all their forms that they never happen again, a continuous and profound conversion of hearts is needed, attested by concrete and effective actions that involve everyone in the church. And it says, So that personal sanctity and moral commitment can contribute to promoting the full credibility of the gospel message and effectiveness of the church's mission. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to read this whole paragraph. It's one couple more sentences. Go ahead. Because it's so powerful. It goes on to say, uh, this becomes possible only with the grace of the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts, as we we must always keep in the minds the words of Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he acknowledges, even if so much has already been accomplished, we must continue to learn from the bitter lessons of the past, looking with hope towards the future. So I think that's a really strong first paragraph in this otherwise very long document that is very legalistic, which I think necessarily so, but it starts off with such a great broad sweeping saying that in order that these phenomena in all their forms never happen again. And it it goes on to talk about breaking down those forms,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And uh, to go off of what you just also said, I think it is um, very, very important and I'm cheered to see that he states that those changes in heart, Mm -hmm. those have to come first. They precede, in a sense, uh, any kinds of policies that are put in place or changes to canon law or, or... any kind of bureaucratic or organizational reconfiguration there has to be that continuous and profound conversion of heart and then he comes in the next paragraph he says the responsibility falls above all on the successors of the apostles Mm -hmm. chosen by god to be pastoral leaders of his people so he's calling out the bishops yes the bishops and the cardinals that they they've got to do this they've got to have this continuous and profound conversion of hearts
1: Mm -hmm. and and one thing we've always talked about either on the air or in private discussions here at Red Sea Catholic Radio through all the difficulties of the past six plus months uh, is that the foundation of all this has to be conversion of our own hearts. Because how can we make XYZ cardinals or this bishop or, you know, someone from Africa make a change to the church if we can't impact our own lives. What we have to do is look at our own lives and evaluate our own hearts and see how we are or are not faithful to the teachings of the church. And we've always talked about this being an issue of fidelity, whether that be uh, against uh, abuse against children or even uh, abuse of power where there's sexual abuse against a fellow adult by using that authority of a priest over, say, a parishioner, you know it it it's wide scope. It's a wider scope than just child abuse, and I think that we've been waiting through all these these synods and all these these events to to try to hear something like this that's more wide uh, widely sweeping across all areas. And it says right here in all their forms, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a great start.
0: Yeah, and I think if you were listening to the end of Patrick Madrid before you came to Red Sea Roundup, and that's you're listening to Red Sea Roundup on Red Sea Catholic Radio right now. I'm Thaddeus Romanski, the general manager, and you're hearing from Dennis Dennis Maka, our great president. Um, But if you were catching the end of Patrick Madrid, he was having a little back and forth with a a caller who was saying the bishop in his particular diocese uh, was dissuading his flock from, I think, probably going to check out an, an apparition. A local apparition and saying this that it's not um, of divine origin. And this caller was was debating with Patrick and saying, "Well, he hasn't fully investigated it, and he doesn't really understand what he's talking about." And Patrick kept coming back to the point of, "Yeah, well, but you don't have the competent authority to make that decision. Right. You're a Catholic. You are by claiming that title and that membership in the Catholic Church, you're accepting." the leadership and the pastoral guidance of your bishop that's part of what being a catholic means and in the same way we have to hold we always have to hold that intention with our desire to our desire for justice in this case and mm-hmm. and patrick also made the good point of unless the bishop is leading you or calling you to do something that's against the moral law then you you have to trust and follow his his right. pastoral leadership right. and we have to keep those two things in tensions as lay catholics as we as we
1: go through this um valley of tears right and and trust that the holy spirit will move through right the successors of the apostles as it says here it does go on to say and and i will also say that like you said if if a bishop calls you out to do something that you know in your heart and conscience is immoral then you must resist obedience in, in the teachings of the church are, are still necessary, but you you can resist against things that are, e- are evil. And so I think we all know that by the natural law of it. It does state that it goes on besides being laid on the shoulders on the successors of the apostles, it says what more closely concerns the successors of the apostles concerns all those who in various ways assume ministries of the church that's you that's me mm-hmm. that's that's Pam that's all of us right here or profess the evangelical counsels or are called to serve the Christian people <laughs> that would be everyone mm-hmm. all of us as Christians are served to, called to serve one another mm-hmm. and that's what this is saying and that it therefore it is good that procedures be universally adopted to prevent and combat combat these crimes that betray the trust of the faithful. So it these are strong words to start off this document and so they're very widely sweeping. Um, it wants this to be there because it makes a, an atmosphere of mutual listening, it says, and open to the contribution of those who care deeply about this process of conversion. So mm-hmm. it's finally what you know I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that what is now written in paper will now be enacted. Universally, right. as it says, and we're going to
0: give you a brief. Um, Dennis is going to take us through a couple of the sp- specific um, general provisions. General, general provisions. I just wanted to lastly point out: you're going to hear this term some as we go on. The uh, a delict, a and a delict is a that's just a terminology from canon law. It's a it's a serious violation of canon law, especially with um, grave matter. Mm-hmm. So, so
1: some with that of the said, there there are basically just a few provisions that they listed at the very beginning, and we want to highlight those. And, and then after that, it goes into basically a lot of legalese. Um, it reads very much like a legal document that refers to how these provisions are going to be enforced and enacted and should be. Um, but it, it lists some delicts against the sixth commandment of the Deca- decalogue, which is the ten commandments. Uh, the first one says. Uh, a, a delict would be forcing someone by violence or threat or through abuse of authority to perform or submit sexual acts. Okay, so forcing someone. It doesn't say just children. It, it says someone by violence or threat or through abuse of authority. And so that would be a bishop over a seminarian. A, a seminary o- rector. Yeah, a priest over a... Uh, Uh, someone in his parish, uh, uh, an associate pastor over an employee at the parish. It would be someone that's in charge of RCIA over someone that's in the RCIA program. It's it's that abuse of authority that Mm -hmm. we have, that trust that's there that comes with authority Mm -hmm. to perform or submit sexual acts. And so that is one of those Daleks, as you mentioned, that's a, a serious crime. The second one, it states performing sexual acts with a minor or a vulnerable person. Those are big words right there. Vulnerable person. And it goes on, Thaddeus, if you could. Yeah,
0: let's let's jump down to the—he defines terms here. So minor, any person under the age of 18 or who is considered by law to be the equivalent of a minor. Now, my understanding is that is now a change in— canon law it was 16 prior to this now 18 is being made 18 Hmm. and under is being made i wasn't aware of that um and then vulnerable person defined as quote any person in a state of infirmity physical or mental deficiency or and we were you and i were finding um some real discussion on teasing out this this last uh, definition: deprivation of personal liberty, mm-hmm. which in fact even occasionally limits their ability to understand or to want or otherwise resist the
1: offense. So, a vulnerable person could is not just an elder person in a nursing home that has no capacity to resist. It's not just a little child that can't resist physically. It's anyone that's in a vulnerable state even occasionally, it says, and if they're limited in their ability to understand or even want or otherwise resist the offense. So we've had examples of that we've heard through the church of, of people in a confessional that have been approached by a clergyman. They're vulnerable in that moment, and so that would fall under this vulnerable person the way I read it in in this broadly scoping, scope <laughs> broadly scoped definition. It's pretty um, I'm I'm I give two thumbs up here, you know, two Aggie thumbs up <laughs> to the to the Holy father for writing that. It goes on to stoc- talk about child pornography, uh, which is a more clear definition. I think that hasn't changed significantly. And it means any representation of a minor which is under 18, regardless of the means used involved in sexual explicit activities, whether real or simulated in any representation of sexual organs of minors or for primarily sexual purposes. So graphic, visual, uh, child pornography is what what we're looking at there. And
0: that was not a, that's always been considered obviously against the Sixth Commandment of the Ten Commandments, but there's uh, the point here is that there has not been a specific delict against this right. type of evil,
1: and and it uses that throughout the document, so it mm-hmm. gives that as a definition, as an ABC. So definition. it was kind of, um, you know, to use common parlance, it was
0: it was a loophole. If if some, you know, God forbid, there had been a cleric who had been involved in um, trafficking in or looking at those kinds of images. Well, because there wasn't a specific delict, there wasn't the same kind of canonical penalties that could be levied against him, or or her. Mm-hmm. Now there
1: is. Right. So those are the three, uh, the two delicts, and it goes on to talk about production, exhibition, possession, or distribution, including electronic means of child pornography, and that's the third delict. Now, a second norm that it lists uh, is it says it's conduct carried out by the subjects. And it goes referred to in Article 6, and primarily Article 6 lays out cardinals, bishops, um, legates, which are representatives of the Roman pontiff, other clerics um, that are in a position of authority over a church. Um, the conduct consisting of actions or omissions intended to interfere with or avoid civil investigations or canonical investigations, whether administrat- administrative or penal against a cleric or religious regarding the Daleks referred to in letter A, which is what we just talked about. So basically that to, to translate into um, Dennis Maka redneck language, if I can.
0: <laughs> is Thank you for bringing some levity to the If you moment. get
1: in the way of an investigation of one of the ba- three bad things listed above, in any way, any actions or omissions to get in the way of any investigations, you can't do that. That's so right. we we've got some And that's what we want. I mean, that's yeah, what I think that. the people
0: of God have been crying out for since last last summer yeah. is how could how could this happen that the ones charged with you know putting yeah. in place the operation of the Dallas charter are then subverting justice on the other hand. So we got a lot of silence for a long
1: time and we're all going, what's going on? Then all of a sudden to uh, quote our administrative coordinator, Caitlin Brightwell, boom, it comes out of the middle of nowhere, boom, it gets done. And we pray that boom, this uh, has a big impact through action, not just words. So we've got some statements from Cardinal DiNardo and one from our own bishop. Let's start with our own bishop. Sure. And we have time. We've got about a minute left uh, let's talk about what Cardinal DiNardo said. But I think we may uh, go with the Bishop Vasquez quotes. Um, he states, uh, "I'm highlighting from this, and you can find this on their website at AustinDiocese.org." I join the Holy Father in remaining committed to ending all forms of abuse in our church and in society. And the Diocese of Austin continues to work to ensure to work to ensure that no one is harmed by its clergy or lay ministers, striving to bring about God's goodness in our midst midst and Cardinal DiNardo uh, who is the
0: chair of the USCCB and he's also the Archbishop of Galveston Houston and he's the um, uh, he's the kind of the bishop who oversees uh, Bishop Vasquez Mm -hmm. I think the best thing he wrote in his statement was um, that they received this Modu proprio, as a blessing that will empower the church everywhere to bring predators to justice, no matter what rank they hold in the church.
1: Yeah. So that's pretty strong. So as we're about to go to the break, I want to implore our bishop and all bishops to enforce this, not just for the abuse of minors, but for the abuse of anyone in church for the infidelity that goes on uh, in the clergy, but we all need to look at the infidelity that we have in our own hearts, and I think that's a great way to sum it up, is to go to confession where needed, reform our lives as needed, and uh, turn back to the faithful. Flee, do not flee, fight for the church, folks. We'll be back on the other side, Red Sea Roundup.
2: Well, welcome back. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC, but you can also hear us on KYAR and KINF. So welcome, listeners. I am thrilled today to have Father Augustine with us. Father, you're going to have to introduce yourself and and, and pronounce your last name. I don't think I've ever even pronounced your last name.
3: Hello, listeners. Uh, My name is Father Augustine ariwau I'm a Catholic priest, here at St Mary's Catholic Center in college Station I'm originally from Nigeria and today we are here to talk about the Lord and our love for him in music uh,
2: I welcome you again father I've had the opportunity to listen to some of your music but I want to get some kind of background on you first as a person so um, I know you like you said in the intro that you're originally from Nigeria, How did you find your way to the United States and to the Catholic priesthood?
3: Well, it's a long story, a long journey, um, but it's been a wonderful, gracious journey. Um, I started off studying in Nigeria uh, with the Schoenstatt fathers. I did my seminary training with them, and eventually it did not work out. Uh, A dear friend of mine who came to the States, who is also from Nigeria. He was with me uh, in seminary uh, when he later, he came to the US and he was ordained for a diocese here in the United States. And he was the one who asked me if I was still interested in being a priest. At the time I was at a crossroads. I wasn't sure I had a vocation to the priesthood anymore. And I thought, okay, um, I could give it a chance. And I was invited by one of those, one of the dioceses in the States. And that was how I came to the States and eventually ended up in Austin, Texas. And I was ordained for the Diocese of Austin in 2013. And here I am now. Here you are. (laughs) And we're so
2: thankful for that. (laughs) So very thankful. So because the show is a lot about this music that's so close to your heart, I can really see, see, and I can really feel it in your voice. And when I listen to the music, so give me kind of a little background on your life and music and the role that it's really played in your, in your, your story of of just a human person and indeed a
3: priest. Well, like I said already, I'm from Nigeria and I'm from the Igbo culture. And Generally, the culture in Nigeria is very expressive, musically expressive. You know, we sing all the time. We sing everywhere. You find people who sing uh, when they are sad; they sing. When they are happy, they sing. So it's like it's just a way of um, dealing with stress, even. So I come from a culture that's very musically inclined. Um, I come from a family of singers. My mom was in the my home uh, diocese diocesan choir until she was in close to her 80s, and all my siblings have always been in one choir or the other in school. Um, I remember when I was a kid, when we had whenever we were about to say our night prayer, because usually we, at night we come together and say the rosary, so we all gather together, uh, myself and my mom and my dad and my all my siblings, and we always start with a song. And Oftentimes, my mom will lead and everyone else joins. It's almost like planned, but kind of unplanned. Like, you know, a choir that was just put together at the, mob, at the spot. Um, my mom leads. My other sisters will start singing different parts. And some of us will be harmonizing. Mm. It's so beautiful. Sometimes I get stuck in the songs and I don't want to pray anymore. i just like, <laughs> can we just sing? So it's, it's that background of singing and praising the Lord through music. And also for me, music is special because, um, I pray better when I sing,
2: Mm.
3: Uh, when I'm singing the words of the Psalms or the words of prayer, the words kind of jump out to me in a way that's different. Mm. Uh, they come alive in a special way. So music is also, um, for me is a special tool to connect to the Lord in a way that's different from any other way of praying. I can completely relate. I
2: was, I can tell a quick story on, on myself that I was, uh, I was actually doing work, um, teaching what I teach at St. Thomas Aquinas on Friday and I hear praise and worship in the other room. I was so drawn. I hadn't seen it before or hadn't heard it there on the fish fry night. Right. And was just pleasantly surprised. And, and two, I felt like, Oh, I've missed this. I've missed you know, just really being able to sing out like that. Mm-hmm. And and again, that really resonates with what you said. That really makes sense to me that, um, you know, I've always heard it's like praying twice, yeah. but there is a depth to it. I don't know. It's something like with the breath. I mean, to me, the Holy spirit is,
3: is so palpable when we sing our praises. Yes, exactly. That's true. That's very, very true. Um, and it's not so much about how good your voice sounds. Um, uh, there's a one of my songs that say that's the title is new song, uh, where I say sing to the Lord a new song. Uh, when you sing with joy, the Lord is pleased. It doesn't matter how you sound. Uh, God loves the voice of your heart, and that's that's where the real song is coming from, uh, from your heart, not necessarily your voice. Don't worry about your voice. The Lord has given you the voice that He's given you. Uh, just use it the best way you can to sing from your heart.
2: Right. Okay, well, back up and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind um, this. Is is it a CD that you're going to be releasing? Is it going to be like on iTunes?
3: Yeah, it's going to be digitally available uh, on iTunes, on Amazon Music, on all the streaming um, websites, Uh, but it's also available on CD. Um, uh, It's not quite ready yet, but it will be by Easter, around Mm. Easter time. Um yeah uh it's it's just my way of sharing with the world um especially at this time uh, in a church when it's almost like it's all it seems like it's all bad news right um I, I i chose to do this at this time i was especially inspired because i'm thinking there is a lot to celebrate about our faith our catholic faith is worth celebrating it's not we shouldn't allow this cloud of scandals and bad news to overshadow the beauty, the mystery, amen. the wonder, the power of amen. who we are and what we have. We are the body of Christ, mm. and nothing can take that away from us. Uh, amen. You know, the one of things that
2: that as you're saying that that really resonates with me too, Father, is the Mass. Yeah, the Mass is still so beautiful will never change. And we are the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. We are his church. Yes. And when we go and we love in in the Holy Mass and with the liturgical music as well. Yeah. Okay, so you were beginning to get the inspiration that you wanted to, like you said in the beginning too, that um, in sad times and in good times and bad times, we sing, we yes. sing to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of born in your heart, this idea to, to produce this... These recordings, correct? Mm, well, yes. then, then you got the inspiration, mm-hmm. and then what did you do, and how did you make it come to life?
3: Well, it's it's taken a while. It's uh, a journey. It's been a journey. Um, I the way I write my songs is the idea comes. Um, I'm thinking of something that happens uh, that has just happened, uh, especially uh, during the the time of the the news that is the time the news of the scandal broke. I was reflecting on all that and I was thinking, okay, how can I translate this into a beautiful thing? Coming from a culture where people sing even when they're sad, how can I translate this into something that draws us back to beauty, not just sadness or anger or pain? Uh, But it's not that we pretend like it's not sad or or painful, but we allow the, the joy of the Lord to strengthen us at a time like this. So that was that was part of the reason I started writing, uh, thinking, okay, um, let's let's talk about hope. Um, there's a song on hope, hope from the Lord. Uh, let's talk about the glory of God. The glory of God. One of the songs is God's glory. Um, how does that song help us to remember that even in dark times, God's glory still abides with us, and that's a way of bringing us back to the basics, to the foundation, to the rock. Um, right. Christ is our rock. And he is the one that guarantees that come rain or shine, there is still something to celebrate.
2: Right. Well, let's, let's listen to a little bit of the song God's Glory right now. Okay.
3: Glory, glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, God of love and mercy, amen. Amen. Glory, glory to God, Lord of heaven and earth, King of kings, Lord, we worship and adore you. Glory, glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, God of love and mercy, amen, amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people, all people of goodwill, amen. Amen. amen, amen. Lord, we praise you and bless you. We adore and glorify you. We thank you immensely for your faithfulness and love. Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.
2: amen. amen. You are the oh, King. Amen, of Father. Amen. I really, oh, you can really hear your priestly heart coming out of that. It just makes more sense to me now that we've had conversations about it. That's how how your desire just to, to really focus on the glory of God during these difficult times yes. That's really beautiful. I'm so glad that you
3: shared this with us. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also, it's, it's, it's God's glory. It's, we glorify him in all things, um, and we also remember the suffering and his sacrifice, especially during this Lenten season, uh, what he did for us um, to show how much he cares and loves us as his body, as his church, um, the beauty of the Eucharist that he gave himself. He gave, he gave us himself in completely so that we can have him as food, uh, to eat for our body and our souls. Uh, he nourishes us in his word, in the sacraments, in, in our celebrations, in our liturgy, in, in, in our prayer, but, and also in a special way through worship, which is a way of saying, I'm going to sing to you, Lord, and praise you and glorify you because you've given me everything that I need, even much more that I need to glorify you. And I have absolutely no reason not to. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. So do you actually play an instrument? How did you compose the songs? Do you...
3: See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the interesting parts. Usually when I talk about writing songs, people ask, do you play an instrument? Uh, maybe a drum. <laughs> ah, that's good. I haven't been practicing in, for, in a while, but... Um, but I'm really not an instrumentalist, uh, apart from the drum. The only instrument that I play is my voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I don't think you need to know how to play instruments in order to write good music. Um, if you have the gift and you're ready to put in the work, um, you, you, you can write songs even when you can't play instruments. Really? And, I've, and I've proven that.
2: That's amazing. Uh, That that takes a special talent. I mean, because you have to at least hear it in your mind, correct? yeah. And how do you put it on paper? You
3: just write it because you can read music, apparently. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, The way I write is the song, the melody comes to my mind and I record it. Mm. So it takes time, it takes a while. And then I write the lyrics and then I find time to merge the lyrics with the the melody that I've created. Wow. Uh, and sometimes it's it's a little stressful because I may be sleeping and it comes and I have to wake up <laughs> and record or write down. Sometimes I'm in, I'm in in the shower and it comes and I have to run out <laughs> 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 and write down and record. Or sometimes I'm in the middle of something, I have to interrupt myself Um it just comes and it goes.
2: Such inspiration, yeah. yes.
3: So, so if I don't capture it at that moment, then I, I lose it. So mm. I have to record. So I, I see it as a gift. Uh, it's given to me, and I have to use it. And that's part of the passion that I have in producing this album is I see it as a mission from the Lord. He's asked me to do this. He's given me the, the opportunity, the the lyrics, the melody, uh, the passion, and and it's almost like a, a, a fire burning in me. Sometimes mm. I, I, I've thought about it for a while, and then I thought, okay, maybe I should just let this go. But it keeps coming and coming, and it's, it's like in my heart, mm. being this passion that's burning, saying, okay, just share this with the world. Because I'm thinking, uh, especially at this time, there, are, there are people out there who may not feel that much connection with the church anymore. Maybe not with their faith. Um, I'm trying to reach out to them and say, uh, maybe you don't feel connected, but the Lord still wants to connect with you. Mm. Um, and these are songs you can listen in the ca- listen to in the car, at your home, um, in your whatever music device you have, on the way, and it's it's not. If someone doesn't feel like coming to church, it doesn't feel churchy, but it's sti- you still feel God's presence when you listen to it. You still feel that connection to the Lord when you listen to it. And then if you come to church, if it draws you to church, you can still remember that this is where what kind of drew you back. And it's also a song you can hum in your head even when you're at Mass. Don't distract yourself, but, but it's... it's it's just beautiful. There is a song on the Eucharist there, too. So there is, there, it's, it's just an opportunity to pray in songs.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so you started talking a little bit about these random times where you get those inspirations, yes, right? Yes. So are they all come that way? And how many total songs did you record? And how did you get to the point where you're like, oh, I found a person that's going to help me to record these? Well,
3: I <clears throat> I've been working on these songs for a while, over a year but i've I didn't really feel the passion to put them out uh, until the recent church scandals and some of the songs that i wrote I wrote them in the last few months um, again inspired by the recent events um, so it's almost all the songs I wrote the same way um, some of them I sit down now it, some of them i i i I wrote by Based on scripture readings, um, uh, the office of readings from the mm-hmm. liturgy of the mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. I, I I took a lot of inspiration from those mm. The church fathers, the saints. Um, yeah, I got a lot. There's a there's the new song. There's a, a song that's the new song. New song. That part part of the my composition for that song was taken from St Augustine's commentary on the Psalms, where he talks about new song singing to the Lord a new song and that we sing not just with our voice but with our lives and that the way we we, we live our lives come to the Lord kind of is an expression of a beauty that you can find in a song and uh, and so and then Saint Athanasius of Alexandria talks about has a beautiful way of describing it uh, he says, The word of God gives a command and everything falls into place. Mm. Each creature performs its own proper function and all constitute one single harmonious order. That's St. Athanasius of Alexandria. Mm. And St. Augustine will say, Sing to the Lord, sing him a new song, a new song, a new man, a new covenant. Let us sing a new song with our lives. Words cannot express the things that are sung by the heart. Mm. So, these I uh, uh, some of my songs were inspired by the Office of Readings, the the beautiful writings of the saints, the Church Amen. Fathers. Mm-hmm. So, um, th- those two make a huge part of you know my my composition. The inspirations. Yeah, the inspiration. Wow. So, are you continuing to write as well? Oh yeah, I'm still writing. Um, it's I think it never stops. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, the inspirations are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to take a second and talk about, specifically, His Word Took Flesh. Can yeah. you tell me kind of like the inspiration behind this particular one, what you were perhaps going through at the time, and then how you got this one on paper?
3: Yeah, His Word Took Flesh. Um, it's uh, I intentionally wanted to write a song that focuses on the Eucharist, which is the source and summit of who we are as Christians, as Catholics, as the body of Christ. Um, so I was reflecting on, okay, I didn't want to write another hymn. We already have enough hymns on the Eucharist. So I was thinking, how do, we, how do I compose this song in a way that it speaks to um, a kid out there playing uh, who knows a little bit some catechism, but not a whole lot, this song can speak to that kid and also speak to an adult that knows a whole lot. And all both of them can come together and say, I'm drawn to the Eucharist because of this song. So I was trying to kind of bridge, uh, if you like, an age gap or something mm-hmm. um, to bring people to love the Eucharist in a way that it's not, it's not like very churchy or hymn, like a hymn, but it's a way that's, kind of stirs up deep down from within your heart. Mm-hmm. That's which we are called to be, uh, what the Lord has already put in there. Again, my, my main focus this time is to reach out to people who may not be feeling too strong or connected with their faith at this time, uh, to be able to speak to them or sing to them about the Eucharist in a way that makes them think, Oh, wow, this is beautiful. Uh, I never thought of it this way. Um, the Father spoke; His Word took flesh, and the Word spoke. Bread and wine were transformed. Mm-hmm. So we see that connection between the Father, the Word, and the bread and wine, all in one. Uh, it's almost like a procession of incarnation from the Father to the bread we have on the altar, and all the way back to the Father. There is this connection when you talk about the incarnation of Jesus from the Father. The Word came, took flesh, and then the Word even brought Himself even much lower, being still being God, to, become, to take the form of bread and wine. And when we receive Him, we're not just receiving the bread and wine, we're receiving the Word and indirectly connecting to the Father. So there is that flow of connection. So each time we come to Mass and we're receiving the Eucharist, we're not just receiving... Uh, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, but we're also receiving God, the father himself in the Holy spirit. So that's, just those, that's straight connection. I um, you know uh, in the song, I, I mentioned that we know that faith can accomplish much more than nature can even venture. Uh, it's kind of a little poetic there. Um, our senses are so limited. So our faith can reveal what's the truth. And that's St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, so, it's, it's a beautiful theology. Yeah. Yep.
2: Repeat that to St. Thomas Aquinas again. That's really quite lovely. And then we're going to go in and listen to him. Of his yeah, this is
3: my own uh, kind of commentary on St. Thomas Aquinas' theology. Our senses are so limited so our faith can reveal the truth. In the tantum ergo, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says sensum defectui. Our senses are defective. Uh, it's through faith that we can only appreciate what's in the Eucharist. Mm. So a lot of times we see, we taste. um, For for many people, it's difficult for them to go beyond those sensible realities to the reality of the the real nature, which is body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ.
2: Well, let's listen very closely with our heart to part of His Word Took Flesh.
3: The Father spoke. His Word took flesh The Word spoke Bread and wine Were transformed He said Take and eat This is my body Take and drink This is my blood People believe Grace can accomplish Much more than it Can venture our senses, are so limited, so our faith can reveal the truth. The Father spoke, His words to flesh. The words spoke, bread and wine were transformed. He said, Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood The power in the words of consecration Grace works through transubstantiation Taste and see that the Lord is good One who eats and drinks never dies again The Father's soul is well to flesh Words, old bread and wine, we're transformed. He we said, "Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood."
2: That was His Word Took Flesh, my yes. Father Augustine. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really like your little poetic license that you put, it, put in there about our our senses can't even imagine. Um, I personally have had experience um, about joy, that God gives us so much joy in the Mass and um, that if we could actually fully realize it in our human person, we might just rupture. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I truly believe oh, yeah. that, Father. I really do.
3: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I Sometimes when I'm trying to teach people about the Eucharist, I, I, I ask them, okay, if you came to receive communion and the priest says the body of Christ and you actually saw f- human flesh dripping with blood, would you take it? And they're like, no. I said, yeah. God is wise. That's why he decided to disguise himself. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, Yeah. And you know, when I pray for conversion, deep
2: conversion for family members who may be lukewarm, I I pray that they will come to understand Mm. the beauty of the Mass, to fall in love with the Mass. And so I look forward to, to playing your song for them.
3: That will be beautiful.
2: Yeah. Well, do you have any place where you've actually kind of like maybe published some of these lyrics? Because that's maybe you should think about that. Maybe in the future have somewhere that you're actually publishing the lyrics so that that people can appreciate that as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm going to put the uh, right now I'm putting together a lyric video for the songs and it's going to be on YouTube. uh, All the songs. Beautiful. Yeah. Because I know how important it is that when people are singing, they can. They know what they're singing, they can see the words. Yeah, I think they connect better to the music if they can see the words they are actually singing. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, the lyric video is gonna be on YouTube um by Easter. Uh, so people can So
2: by the time this airs, you should be able to find it. Yes, yes. Yes, okay. That's true. Very good. Well, is there another song that you'd like to to call attention to per se?
3: Yeah, there's a song um that I wrote. It's called God's Love. It's a, it kind of a love song. Um, it's a very interesting song. Um, interesting in the sense that um, the way it sounds, it, it's, it's kind of a dancy song. Uh, the, the, the history of that song was kind of interesting. I started off wanting to write a song to Mary. Mm. And I thought, okay, how do I write a love song? Uh, how do I la- write a song to Mary that is also a love song combined. Because she's the one who teaches us how to love and what love actually means. Um, so I'm, I was tra- thinking of both of them. And then I thought, okay, um, maybe I should put it in the context of the sacrament of marriage. And this was like this, all this thinking what took place over time, like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then finally, I I thought, okay, maybe if I make it like a song that people can use for wedding reception, um, they can dance to it, but it also has a lot of meaning. Uh, Maybe that that will work. So I thought, okay, um, I'll work on that and see what I come out with. So And then I started thinking, okay, uh, how do I make this work in a way that's spiritual, it's meaningful, and it's helps people connect to the true meaning of love based on scripture. Uh, so I went to Song of Songs, chapter six, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which has a lot of interesting descriptions about love and, you know, the the marital love and relationship and what true love is. And when you read that in the right context, it's, it's like a love letter from the Lord to us. You know, we are, we yes, are his yes. spouse. Mm. Um, so but it has some some detailed graphic exp- descriptions there that so I, I after going through that i thought okay how do i package this in a way that it comes across the right way um, remove what needs to be removed but leave what needs to be le- what i need to leave so i i took some parts of that and then i combined it with 1st corinthians chapter 13 where st paul talks about what love is and I combined that with First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 where St. Paul talks about what love is. And love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful, it's not... And, and all those, and all those. So I came up with the song. Um, the first part is, Who is this looking down like the dawn, as beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, who is this, looking down like the dawn, awesome, as awesome as a heavenly vision? And that's first song, song of Songs, chapter 6, verse, from verse 4. And that part of the song, you find that in the legion prayer, which is called the catina. Who is this, that cometh forth at the morning rising, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, terrible as an army set in battle array? And that's a major prayer for the legion of Mary. Now I've discovered that many of them don't even know that this is coming from the scripture, but it's, it's a beautiful prayer mm. and it's mm. a love prayer. So I took that, uh, put it in there, did a little modification and then, um, and then the verses was kind of my own commentary. Uh, cause so, my songs also, I see them as my homily in song form. So you know, my love, you're such a beauty, beauty to behold. Your hair sits like an awesome crown on your head. Your smile reflects the smile of your maker because your God has made you to look like him. Mm. So it's a way of seeing beauty in the, with the eyes of God. Our love's not perfect, but it is precious. It is not superficial. Our love is sincere. So I made it like um, a dialogue between the, the bride and the groom. Uh, the bride is the one who's saying our love's not the, the, the groom, Christ himself is the one who's saying, you're such a beauty to behold. Um, I made you to be such, so beautiful. Uh, no matter what, uh, I see my image in you and, and the, the, the bride responds, okay, I may not be that my love for you may not be as perfect as your love for me, but it is precious. And it is sincere. So it's like this dialogue between Christ and his church.
2: Well, I have to say this this uh, time with you, Father, has been precious and very sincere. And I thank you oh, for thank that. You. And as we wrap up, because that is all we have time for, yeah. um, I would ask you for your priestly blessing for all of us before we
3: go. Okay. Um, for our listeners and all those who are tuning in, uh, I would say may the Lord continue to increase your faith. Strengthen you, bless and protect you from all harm, provide for you, uh, increase the love that you have in your hearts for Him, and be your strength and your peace and joy, uh, and for all of us who are here and for all our listeners, listeners, I say, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. So, Father, where would be the best way to get a hold of some of your work as soon as it's out? You said iTunes, Spotify, yes. YouTube, you yes. name it. Father Augustine.
3: And Amazon, too. Amazon as yeah, well. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming in today. That's it for now, Red Sea listeners. And we pray that you will go out into the world and go and love your neighbor.
3: talking. I'm a-